Hello and welcome to episode 131 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the depressing. This week we're going to be talking about a movie Matthew's never seen, New Moon, on your, I guess the wolf's out of the bag, podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at Mandy K if you just want to marvel at everything I still haven't seen. And I'm Matthew Vose. We are about to start talking a lot about vampires. So come join me vamping out. I'm on Twitter at Matthew Vose. Now, Matthew, is it worth talking about why you haven't seen New Moon since we just did Twilight and we kind of went over it recently? Yeah, go back and check out Twilight for my thoughts on the series and why I never watched it back in the day. Uh, and yeah, I definitely wasn't going to watch a follow-up if I wasn't hadn't watched the first one. Right, because no, no. you would never watch like the second installment of a movie first. We would no. never even do that on PCD. Like, no. why? Why <laughs> would we ever want to do that? <sighs> you kill me sometimes. <laughs> All right, New Moon is the 2009 follow-up to Twilight, based on Stephanie Meyer's book of the same name. Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson, and Taylor Lautner all reprise their roles as Bella, Edward, and Jacob. It set domestic box office records as the biggest midnight screening until it was superseded by the next installment of the franchise, Eclipse. This led to the highest single-day domestic gross of an opening day, a record that it held until 2011. Well done. Well done, this film. Absolutely. I think it just continued to set those box office records. I mean, this was a phenomenon. Yes, it was. That is very true. What so, was the budget compared to Twilight? Because that was one of the things we commented on. Uh, <laughs> give me a second. I was <laughs> trying to Mandy be Google. very um, <laughs> like, con- concise on my synopsis. Okay, first one was $37 million. Budget-wise, okay, the new moon was fifty million. Okay, and that makes sense. I think I think we'll talk a lot about that later, but it, it's very interesting the difference between the two. Mm. Mm. Well, there was a lot more CGI in this one. There was uh, by necessity as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, if you haven't seen Twilight New Moon, sorry, no, that's, that's not the title. I mean, we're going to keep calling it Twilight New Moon. The title is the Twilight Saga New Moon. um if you haven't seen it the film is about bella and edward who are in love edward leaves bella misses him she distracts herself with a pretty young werewolf jacob and then edward becomes self-destructive and he draws her back in hmm fight me (laughs) okay i am not gonna fight you but i'm not super down with that synopsis okay cool I mean, Bella doesn't just miss him, you know? It's like her (laughs) arm has been cut off or something. And she doesn't know Jacob's a werewolf at this point. I don't know. You're not wrong. I just don't like it, okay? (laughs) So on Twilight, we had a very fair discussion about the Mm -hmm. thing. Because particularly it was the books that you loved. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't hate the film. I think there were a couple of comments on Twitter about, like, you know, love what you love, hate what you hate. I didn't hate Twilight. 
everything after the baseball was not as good. But everything up to the baseball, I was into. I like the romance. I like the setup. Cool. This film, I am not as fond of. <laughs> right. Although, to be fair, you didn't rate it that much lower than you did Twilight? No. But this never went to anywhere of quality. Okay. There, there, there was a point with Twilight where I thought, actually, this is doing good stuff. I am enjoying this. I think the romance is good. I think the um, chemistry between the two protagonists, the two leads, was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it did a lot of actually bad stuff, things that didn't work, things that I didn't enjoy. So that kind of rated it down. This never went to being anywhere good. It just was very mediocre all the way through and has baffled me in places. Okay. I will say that this is even more an example of how the movie adaptation doesn't completely accurately portray the book. Okay. I think that if... And maybe I'll ask you about some of these things because I'm not even sure that what the book was selling was accurately portrayed in this movie at all. Okay. Um, And so I'm curious about a few things, and I don't know if you want to go ahead and just jump into the conversation now, or, I mean, okay, you already answered, did you enjoy it? You kind of didn't. <laughs> yeah, so no, really. let's just jump in. Um, yeah, but by the way, you own it. I watched it on Netflix if you want to go and revisit them in the UK. Absolutely. Right, now we can talk. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I think the main thing I really want to know is... Did you understand why Bella started becoming so reckless? One, did you think she was becoming reckless? And two, did you understand why she was, if you did notice? Um, in asking the question, you're making me doubt myself. So okay. I'm going to give you an answer, with a bit, but I'm pausing because I'm like, did I? Did I get it wrong? What? No, so she knew he was watching her psychically because he's a psychic Mewtwo type dude. I don't know. Um... Uh, and so she thought if she was reckless enough, he would come back and save her. Okay, see, now that's not true. That's that's not correct. Right. Um, so remember, his powers don't work on her. Mm. Um, and so the visions that she was having weren't real. She was just seeing them in her head. Um, in, in, the, in the book, at least. And, and maybe the movie was trying to do it differently, but it didn't work for me in the movie. Um, so in the book, she realized that once she started putting herself in danger, um, she would see slash hear Edward as if he were like trying to protect her. Um, you know, it was a kind of like a security blanket kind of thing. And she didn't want to lose that because she couldn't have him. So at least she had that. So she kept putting herself in these positions, um, like trying to pick a fight with um, guys in the parking lot are getting on a motorcycle or cliff diving and all of those sorts of things. Um, and I just felt like the movie was super unclear on what she was actually doing. Yeah, the movie does not give you that. And it does imply it is actually him. Because it's not just like it's a memory or something. It is a, uh, like you say, it's a vision. But it is him mm-hmm. coming and telling her things and talking, trying to talk to her. Right. Yeah, and, no. And because, and it- the, because the mythology of it is so grounded in psychic powers Mm -hmm. yeah it does imply that there's like she knows he's still watching her yeah so it goes along with part of why i really really like the book 
and I don't think the movie sold it. Okay. Um, the book New Moon gave one of the most realistic and relatable representations of depression okay. that I've ever seen written in a book, particularly at a time in my life when I was severely struggling with depression and had not yet sought medication for it. Okay. Um, so right after he left in the book, um, it just the like the next six months or so passed in the book by just like a single page, and the only word written on it was like September, and the next page was just October. Like they were just blank. Okay. Like because you know when you are depressed, you're numb. You don't feel things. You don't experience things. She was just existing, and so you picked up on that in the okay. book. And then when she started existing again, she felt. She tried so desperately to find that happiness that she was feeling with him. And that's why she started going down that destructive pathway. And for me, in a story, that worked really, really well. And it just didn't translate to the movie. Right. It is the book written in a sort of epistolary fashion, like like it's letters or a diary or first person or something? That's a really good question. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, okay. maybe it is. You know, I could go grab it off my shelf it's on the bookshelf behind me okay <laughs> hold on a second <laughs> dear listener mandy's off doing something this is just for you and me i can't wait to get through these films because the last one's supposed to be really good so it'll be quite exciting so it'll be f- fascinating to find out okay i lied oh it's she's back stop, I don't know stop talking <laughs> <laughs> yeah i lied i don't know where it is okay it's not there because the first one had elements of that that opening thing of I never thought I'd know how I would die. <laughs> Whatever that piece was. Right. It sort of implies it's a bit like a diary. So I don't know. Um, just to take a quick break from discussing the film. You did seek help. You are okay now. You yes. have, have you know, strategies for managing. and Yes. Good. Okay. Well, people will be <laughs> listening. They'll be worried about you. So let's, you know. I know. I mean, this was years and years and years ago. So I, I have... You know, taking steps to manage my mental health through both mm-hmm. therapy and medication. So life is good. Right. Good. And, and and it's good to be able to talk and be open about, you know, yeah, things are better having sought that help. So I am very pleased. I'm very pleased you're in a good place. Hooray. Yes. And I, I mean, I think that's something that people should be open about. And exactly. should not ever feel shame for. So I try to be open when I can. Yeah. Like you go to the doctor when, you, you know, you're physically poorly. So mental health is no different. Absolutely. Right. Back to the film. Mm. Yes. Um, well, actually, back to the book for a second. I just pulled up a preview of it on uh-uh. uh, Google Books, and it's just written in first person. Okay. Okay. So that fits in nicely with having the blank pages. That, that, there was a comment um, on our Patreon Discord from Metz Girl who who made a comment about the blank pages in the book made me sort of the passing of the months in the movie did the same. And I hadn't twigged that the book was written in that sort of fashion, that she was doing a bit clever things. And and you're mm-hmm. right, that is a very hard thing to translate to the visual form. Right. Um, I did like the way they do, did that transition with her just sat there and the camera going round her, showing seasons and months changing. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at first, I thought it was a bit heavy handed because it came up saying October as there's people trick and treating outside, like. No, no, we know it's October. Thanks. <laughs> but then because it then did subsequent months as well. Okay, that's right. quite nice. Yeah. The the big issue I have with this, uh, and it's not necessarily in, again, the chemistry or the characters or or some of the plotting, it's the fact that I don't think the plot works as a film. 
this this feels like the third and fourth fifths of a story. It does not okay. feel like a story unto itself. Mm-hmm. They start off. I mean, because I mean, the story is trying to do, uh, um, whether we go into this or not, I don't know. The story is trying to do Romeo and Juliet. Star-crossed lovers. And if they're together, it's terrible. And if they're apart, it's terrible. Something mm-hmm. along those lines. And, and to the extent it opens with quotes from Romeo and Juliet. And she's reading Romeo and Juliet. And then they're watching Romeo and Juliet at school. Right. But we got the analogy. Thank you. Right. right yeah. <laughs> they were definitely heavy-handed with that one. A little. But. They start off in love. Like, we've come in, and they're in a romance, and they're actually fairly happy. And the, the love is progressing. And then you have this whole thing of he's actually anguished over the fact she is so frail, and he might kill her because he's terrible for her, and his friends might kill her, and all this kind of thing. And he decides to leave. And then by the end of it, whilst you know shenanigans happen in the middle, he comes back, and they're back in a romance again. So nothing has necessarily changed in a big way. Mm-hmm. And telling this as saying, this is a story, this is an important thing to show, it doesn't feel quite there. It, it's a, a little bit like my feelings on uh, Captain America Civil War. That was sort of telling a transition, but you needed to have seen all the other stories around it to really come into this mm-hmm. and get something from it. And I feel like this is very much knowing it's part of a franchise and just telling the story it has to tell rather than being its own story. Uh, Again, does the book have more that makes it stand alone better? No, not really. I mean, I think... I think the book stood pretty close storyline-wise about what happened. Edward leaves, she gets depressed, she befriends Jacob... Um, Jacob turns into a werewolf and we learn all about that and why the werewolves are suddenly here, why there are so many mm. of them. Um, And then there's a thread of Victoria, you know, coming yeah. after Bella. <laughs> Very small thread. Um, And then Edward thinks she's dead and tries to kill himself and she has to go save him. Right. I mean, that that really is it. And, that, and okay. that's what we got in the movie. And you're right. It is very much a piece of a larger story. And I think we talked about that when we talked about the first movie. Because you didn't really think the first movie was a full story either. It, it More so than this, though, it was. Right. I, I, th- okay. I think this very much. I, uh, and that piece about Victoria is really, really apt. Because even that's not resolved. There are so many story threads in this. They set up as being important and being things that just aren't actually a part of this story they're showing us. The, the, this film, on its own, that doesn't get resolved. They don't even really interact with her outside of one fight. Mm-hmm. So I think this is just another piece of the Bella and Edward story. Mm. And we'll get more of that story in Eclipse, and then we'll get even more of that story in Breaking Dawn. Right. And I think if you had taken Twilight to Breaking Dawn and... You, that's too much material to make into a single movie. Hmm. Like, you just, you can't. Um, and so I think breaking it out the way they did, one, that follows the the books, but two, it also allows you to experience all of the nuances and little moments that mm-hmm. were there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it lends itself better to television than to movies. Okay. 
I'm not sure. Um, I think from my perspective, because I enjoyed the source material so much, the fact that it doesn't work as a standalone story doesn't bother me. Okay. Because I was so invested in the characters in the world that I just wanted to see more of them. It, it's fascinating to hear how close the book was because at, at, at one stage, at some stage, there was the book Twilight and then she released the book Twilight New Moon. New Dawn. Mm-hmm. New Moon. New Moon? New Moon. New Moon. Yeah. And there wasn't a third and fourth book. This was the Twilight Saga. Twilight and New Moon. And I would love to have known someone who read it at that time and went, wait, what? He went away and he came back. But it was always known that there was going to be another book. Okay. Because um, I read New Moon before Eclipse came out, and mm. then I knew I had to wait for the next book. Um, so I think it was planned as a – I think it may have been planned as a trilogy, and then as she was writing it and it got more popular, <laughs> they extended it to that yeah. fourth book. I bet she um, did. <laughs> I would. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And yeah. I think um, – I can't remember where Eclipse stops and Breaking Dawn starts to tell you at this point if I think she should have done that or not. I really enjoy the final book, so, right. you know, whatever. Okay. But, um, okay, yeah. I, I And I think, again, we put this in comparison to other adaptations. I mean, I mean, The Hobbit doesn't necessarily work as three films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you seen The Hobbits? I've seen the first two. Okay. But, but each film in those, and even the Lord of the Rings trilogy, each of those films does have its own sort of internal thing. They're, they're taking care of this sequence of events, and then the next one's taking care of the next sequence of events. But you could watch each one and go, ah, oh, there is something of an arc here, and it is fairly satisfying. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like I'm egging the point on too much now, but I feel like I came out going, well, nothing's really resolved, and I don't know that much has changed. Jacob aside, that's the one thing. Well, there was world building for sure. Yeah. Because this is where we get the werewolves. And they didn't do a super great job of explaining where they came from in this, other than reminding Bella, I think, about the story we told you in the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, In the books, they do delve into that a little more. So I'm curious, do you understand why there are werewolves there? Well, there's a whole... Again, you're making me feel like, oh, God, I missed a thing. But but the story from the first one about how it was werewolves versus... Werewolves versus vampires, I don't think they were the words they used. But there, No, there was, they, it, the vampires were the cold ones, I think. That was it. Um, but there was a... You know, that's what they are descended from, and there is a gene that some of the men in this... Tribe? Is it a tribe? Is it community? They live on a reservation. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what the right word is to be honest with you. Um, but they, some of them become werewolves, and some of them don't mm-hmm. for reasons, which is interesting because it means there's no, uh, there's an implication of no turning. You can't mm-hmm. turn someone into a werewolf in the same way you have with the vampires, in the same way you have with traditional werewolf stories. Right. So. Yeah, it's definitely genetic here. Yeah, you're not going to get Oz and Veruca? What was her name? Yeah, Veruca was her name. It was Veruca, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. <laughs> not to be confused with Veruca Salt. No. <laughs> so there was a larger implication in the book. I keep going back to the book. I'm sorry. I think I'm trying to get you to at least see that there was some source material <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was better than than what we got. Um 
in the book, there was a broader implication of, you know, over the years, there had really only ever been one or two werewolves that were quote unquote activated. Okay. Um, but because the Collins came and the vampire activity in the area increased, mm. that's what increased the gene to become dominant and to express itself. And that's why all of a sudden there are five or six werewolves running around when there haven't been werewolves before. Um, and they did not explain that at all in the movie. And I don't even know if it occurred to you to ask, well, why are there suddenly giant wolves running around when <laughs> there haven't been before? Because they didn't address that at all in the movie. That There is a hint of it. What's the thing? Where, and he talks about, you know, when they're on this land, it's their land, so we can't do something. There's something else in, in those lines that, yeah, there was just something. I don't think it occurred to me that, oh, yes, the, the two are inextricably linked. Although mm-hmm. nice, um, but yeah, they did. You're right about the world building. There is world building in here, but I think that's because they wanted to fill out. What was it? Two and a half hours. It was a long movie. It's a longer and, and how little they gave us, really. Yeah, and considering how short the first one was. Mm, yeah, and that's the point about this is a different sort of film than um, the first one because where the first one was a pure. A pure adaptation for people who'd read the book. This was a film for people who had not read the book because they suddenly went, "Oh, holy heck, this is popular!" Yeah, <laughs> let's make some money off this. So let's make the film bigger. Let's make the film longer. Let's put more budget into it, and clearly get a heck ton of box office revenue back, right? Mm. And convince Michael Sheen to be in it. <laughs> Oh man, the cast of this, I still, it it's just amazing. I have to tell you, later on in the franchise, you're going to see Lee Pace. Nice. You're going to see, oh, what's that chick's name? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Dance off, bro. Oh, I was mean, that, there that, are some was, other yeah, people okay. that you're going to recognize in, in later installments. Right, I'm and looking forward to it. And it's just baffling to me how the quality of the actor doesn't always match the quality <laughs> of the story. <laughs> but throw budget at the thing and they will come on. So Yeah. And, um, like, while we're talking Michael Sheen, like, his first big, big role was as a werewolf, as the king of the werewolves. In the Underworld series. So it's mm. awesome to see him kind of king of the vampires. That's why you were asking me about Underworld the other day. That is why I was asking about Underworld. We were slaves once. The daylight guardians of the vampires. I was born in servitude. Yet I harbored them no ill will. Even took a vampire for my bride. Yeah, I have no no idea that he was in it. I didn't really know who Michael Sheen was until no. the last yeah. year or two. Um, so I tweeted last night that it was really weird watching Michael Sheen play Arrow after having just come <sighs> off of Good Omens and seeing him play Aziraphale. And somebody responded back to me, you think that's weird? You should see him in Underworld. Yeah, it's a and very different like, performance. Huh. Mm. Yeah, and he, he posted a GIF or a link or an image or something, and Jeff. I wouldn't have recognized him as Michael Sheen right. if it hadn't been pointed out to me. <laughs> Yeah, he, he he. I mean, he is he is a character actor, and he does some wonderful characters. Oh, absolutely! And, and this is kind of in between what he does. You can see bits of a zero fail, and you can see bits of his 
larger than life performances. Um, there is mm-hmm. one that I'm not going to tell you because it's on the list. And, okay. and when it, he's a very small part of that film, but he's probably the best part of that film. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I will say oh. at the time this movie came out, I had absolutely no idea who Michael Sheen was, but I was a big fan of Dakota Fanning. Mm, yeah, she's good. Again, very small she's part. She's fantastic but... in this. Yeah, very small part, but she played her heart out. Mm. And the eyes were cool. I like the effect on that. <laughs> and and whilst you're just to actually wrap up the piece on Michael Sheen, I did not clock what the character's name was. If I'm honest, mm. okay. So hearing you say like, and he plays Arrow, I'm just like Michael Sheen going, "You have failed this vampire. You have failed this omelet." Okay, not that kind of arrow. It's A-R-O. I did not clock that was the character's name. So that's, yeah, cool. I don't even know if they said it. I'm sure they did. But I'm just so accustomed to it from... Because he will come back. I mean, we will see the Volturi Oh, again. I assume so. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of setup. Um, okay. Okay. Talking about it as an adaptation. And, and I'm, this is the question for you particularly. We talked in the first one about fan casting and who was the perfect casting for Edward. Um, I think Josie, was it, suggested it should have been Orlando Bloom, which I can mm. see. Yeah, that is a nice, nice shout. There's a few others out there that I've seen suggested that would have been good. Um, what's his name? Daniel Kalua. It's not Kalua, is it? That's a drink. The chap from Get Out and the dude from Black Panther. If if we're talking, you know, we could cast anyone, any mm-hmm. race. Yeah, he would work as as Edward because he has got that sort of powerful intensity about him. Trying, I haven't seen Get Out, um, um, and so I'm trying to figure out who you're talking about. In, I know you're not talking about T'Challa. No, in that's Black Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, he's married to the general Akoya. And he rides the big oh, one thing at the him. end. Yeah. I have no idea what his name is, but I know who you're talking about now. You think he would make a good Edward? I have no idea how to spell his name. Daniel Kalua, but not spelled like the drink. Someone tell me how I should be saying that, because I'm really sorry that I'm saying that really badly. Yeah, he was in... So Yeah, Get Out on Black Panther. He was in a film called Widows, and he was super, like, just present and intimidating. And that's what I think you would get well from... Um, and Edward. Okay. A little bit younger than than Pattinson, but that was the one going through a list of actors from you know Britain yeah. who were born in the eighties. That was the one that stood out. Um, but there are a number of actors of that age who would have been cool. But I'm not going to talk about Edward unless wait, you wait. Hang to. on, yeah. hang on. Before we move on from that, mm-hmm. did we talk about in the last one who Stephanie Myers fan casting was like who she wanted to play? Oh no, yeah, who did she want? Henry Cavill. Okay. Uh, uh. I don't think I can see it now just because for me, he's Superman and Superman and Edward are like polar opposites. But maybe back then. Yeah, I can see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see it. Okay. You did this. I had to. You won't let me live. You won't let me die. The world needs you. It doesn't need you. Tell me. 
I mean, he's a good actor, but I don't think he's been given parts that he is able to excel in. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's quite a good Superman. He's an okay Clark Kent, and that's you know the tough bit of it. But when I think of the other things, like, well, no, we've talked about this elsewhere, but playing Clark Kent is more important than your ability to play Superman. Oh, absolutely. Anyway. No, um... I I get it. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, You've just given me a chance to talk about comic books. So, blah, 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 blah. No. Um, When I think about things like The Man from Uncle and Mission Impossible, it was just kind of standard James Bondy spy stuff. Thank you very much. Is there anything else I can do for you? It's a fine bottle of champagne. It'd be a shame to drink it alone. So I'm not sure the material was there for him to do anything impressive from his big right. films. I don't think I've seen him in much else. But yeah, that's okay. a cool one. That's a cool one. I like that. However, this was the movie where Jacob came to the fore. Mm-hmm. And Jacob took his shirt off. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm fairly sure there were lots of descriptions of that in the book. Because frankly, there were lots of descriptions of that in the dialogue. There were because he did the transformation, like did physically transform him. He went mm. from being like a scrawny fourteen-year-old kid to suddenly a guy with the like a fourteen-year-old with the body of a nineteen-year-old. Nice. Um, I think that's how it was described in the book, actually. And so they did talk about that a lot because it there was an element of a physical transformation. Right. Um. Yeah, I'm Team Jacob just from the way he looked. Guy looked See, that's good. why I always say, I for Bella, I'm Team Edward. For myself, I'm totally Team Jacob. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, was it when you saw that presented? Not just the taking off the shirt, but the character as he became Jacob, as Jacob actually is Jacob. Um, how did that fit? How did that work for you as That Carl was thing? great. I didn't like Taylor Lautner as Jacob in the first one. Hmm. I He did not match for me what I expected Jacob to look like. And part okay. of that was because I was picturing werewolf Jacob at that point, forgetting that there was the kid at the beginning, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they transformed him and he became the, the short hair and the muscles, like absolutely he was everything that I expected Jacob to be. Right. Yeah, I think it worked. I think I I think he was actually quite a good addition. I like the sort of because he did brood somewhat at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I quite liked that she's written some of the same stuff. So we talked last time about like the destructive elements to the relationship, and it was really quite problematic in places. She there's some of the same stuff to what Jacob says. And you see, obviously, Sam's fiance, and, and you, you know, they don't even need to tell us the story. It is very clear what has happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he talks about that, like, I could lose concentration for a second and, and attack you, it is his concern for her. But the way it's written for Edward is still this, you better not piss me off, because otherwise I could kill you. Right. And And I, I think I liked it because Jacobs came off more of... I care for you so much, that's why I don't want to be. Right. I, I want to be careful around you and this kind of thing. That's fair. Does it does it come across as different? Am I just looking for that because I know what it is from Edward? I like the way that Jacob looks. <laughs> no, I think you're right. It it does come across as different and I I don't remember how it was in the book to know if that's a change that was made in response to Backlash from the first movie mm. or if that's just how Stephanie Meyer wrote it. Right. 
I, I don't know. I, I do know that both characters cared about her safety and were both concerned about her. Mm. And they both did things differently. But I don't know if it was written similarly or if Jacob really did present it in this much healthier way. Yeah. I think it might be something to watch for as we go through. Because I don't think they changed it particularly. I think there was writing in the way Edward spoke to her that just made me think he's constantly reminding her of how frail she is and how she should be scared of him. And even at the end, he gaslights her with like the, um, yes, I lied to you, but you believed me. So it's actually mm-hmm. your fault. And it's like, well, mm. dude, dude, dude. Yeah. Mm. And And in that, it's really funny because I had not even considered that she thought he was telling the truth. Oh, really? Yeah. As as far as I'm You I was thought co- she was just upset because he left. Yeah. And that she she thinks it's fine and eventually she's going to be turned anyway. Because um, that was the whole thing. She's trying to convince him to turn him into a vampire. And she... Yeah, it just... I, I don't know. I, I had always assumed he... She believed he was lying. Or she mm. didn't believe him. Which way I should have said that one. I, I think this comes down to, again... The fact the story might be better if it was told from Edward's point of view. Because we come to that sequence actually quite quickly. And he says, oh, you know, people are noticing that Carlisle? Yes. Yes, Carlisle is not aging, so it's getting a bit riskier for us to be here, this kind of thing. But I think the subtext is that he's worried about what happened with the blood and that someone's going to kill her. Right. And he needs to get away from her, which is that thing that Jacob's saying, you know, I, I should actually stay away from you. This is not a good thing. So he is pushing her away. And in that, he is doing the right thing, potentially. Yeah. We've not seen him anguishing over that. That that piece actually comes really, really quickly. And I feel like we could have had a lot more time in his point of view from his perspective of him noticing things, thinking about things, friends and relatives within the vampire community being like, dude, it sucks to watch your friends get old. You know, do not put yourself through this. Do not put her through this. Something like that. But everything is utterly in Bella's point of view, which right. you know the story is. But I, I, I think like the first one, she's not necessarily an active protagonist. Okay, so would you want to just see Edward's perspective, or do you want a dual point of view? I think a dual point of view. I think the fact that that ending is all told through exposition. The whole thing of Edward phones. Um, uh, no, actually, no, I will send that because we do get the shot of it. Oh, it's Edward on the phone and now he's crushed the phones. They can't call him back. But just this thing of... And and then Alice turns up and tells her, like, oh, no, Edward's doing this thing and now he's going here and now, now this is happening and then this is happening. So we need to go there. Whereas there is a really interesting sequence in that of him making up his mind to do this thing and him anguishing over it and or him talking about it or just the interesting side of the story is not someone telling Bella what's happening. Okay. Did it come through why he was so anguished when he was on the phone and then he crushed the phone? Like, did that make sense? Well, yeah, they told us that he thought it was that she died. And now he wants to die because he doesn't want to live in a world where she's not there. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Alice so, immediately say that. Okay. So he crushes the phone rather than checking anything. It's a hilarious miscommunication. <laughs> well, I mean, Jacob did literally just say Charlie's planning a funeral. Yeah, but like, whose funeral? 
But if you thought somebody was dead, if you thought Bella was dead and you called to talk to Charlie and Charlie's planning a funeral, you would make that same leap. And he can and read you would be minds. overcome with grief and you would not feel logic. That That is fair. But we do then have a couple of days that go past because he's got to get from Rio to Tuscany. And... Or, is, it, or is, is he already in Italy? I don't think he's already there. It, was, I don't... it looked like Brazil was the implication, I think. Yeah. Okay. Good place to hide out if you can't go in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Between that and the Tuscan Italian hills. Oh. Right, yeah. <laughs> so um, an interesting thing um, with you saying you would like to see Edward's perspective on some things. Um, Stephanie Meyer did rewrite Twilight from Edward's perspective. Um, yeah, I heard she released... did part of the first one. Yeah, and okay. it was uh, it came out as it's called midnight sun i don't actually (laughs) know if they ever released it i i know i think parts of it came out yeah Um, i i think when we were reading the last one wasn't there a story that like it got leaked and she just got really annoyed so released it for free or what she'd written for maybe that's what happened and i think she's not returned to it or something yeah Mm. Um, but she had always planned to release at least the first one from edward's perspective as well right um, which is really annoying whenever you think that um, E.L. James did the same thing for Fifty Shades of Grey. And then released the first one from Christian Grey's perspective. If I think, hasn't she done two of them from his perspective now? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't kept up with those anymore. <laughs> but... Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think as much as, yeah, the, the story is about Bella and Bella's emotional reaction to it. Bella doesn't hugely do anything in this one again. No, she doesn't. It's very reactive and yeah. it's it's very I don't know, I think that's why I like it though because it is such a realistic expression of depression. Hmm. Okay. Now granted the reason I love that she's phrase, depressed by the way. <laughs> I had to think about it to yeah, get it yeah, out. <laughs> you know, now granted there's something to be said about her being so depressed over the state of a boy leaving her, you know, like her whole life shouldn't be the relationship. You know, I get all of that. But when you just take depression in a vacuum and look at how she experienced it, it's it's very realistic. And it just it. It was something that I needed to read back then. OK. Yeah. And I think that's why I appreciate the movie as well. Right. And so that's what I come back to is just like the first one gave me. Uh, a protagonist in Bella, unlike anybody I had really seen before, mm-hmm. somebody who I could relate to, Stephanie Meyer did the same thing for me in New Moon. Right. And I get that that doesn't speak to a lot of people. I think I just happened to be somehow the exact specific audience that she was writing for. Great. And, and it's wonderful when a story, a book, a film, a play, whatever comes to you like that. I think so. Mm. It does make it more challenging to talk about, you know, a decade later. (laughs) Uh, I am very appreciative of how open you are being about this. Because it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. So, thank you. You're welcome. Mm. Um, He shoves her really hard into that wall. Yes. I don't think he needs to shove her that hard. (laughs) I... I... I don't disagree with you. I I feel like it comes out of nowhere both times because he should have just pushed her out of the way and then shoved Jasper that hard Mm. instead of shoving her that hard. But I think visually they were trying once again to underscore how dangerous they are for Bella 
making his decision to leave seem less out of left field. Yeah, that is fair, because what doesn't come across is the animalistic side of the vampires. Mm -hmm. The vampires are very intellectual and very in control at all times. And I think if they'd either shown a little bit more, that not only was this Jacob losing control, not Jacob, Jasper. Yes, Jasper. Jasper, thank you. Sorry. Um, Not only was this Jasper losing control, but this was him losing control in defending her. Mm. Um, but I don't think that comes across because he seems in control while he's fighting but yet he throws her into a mirror in the wall right that said the whole bit with the blood was actually quite good I did appreciate that but actually yeah there is still a problem here mm-hmm. um, and particularly because they then return to it with uh, Jacob going hey it's just blood it's cool don't worry mm-hmm. like that's really good and again team Jacob that's fair um i don't think i picked up on the juxtaposition of those two scenes right um i remember thinking of course she apologized for bleeding this is bella she apologizes for existing right you know and and that's kind of what i was thinking about there and it didn't occur to me that this was in direct contrast to the little bit of blood and that's why she's apologizing Mm. Because the last time she bled in front of somebody, they tried to kill her. Yeah. Hmm. I do think it's a great world building, although I'm not sure, again, that this was super clear in the movie. Jasper was really the only one who was immediately affected by her blood. Mm-hmm. And it's because he's the youngest vampire of them. He's the newest created. And okay. so he hasn't gained as much self-control as the others have. But even the others... You know, they recognized they were rapidly reaching their limits and had to leave. Mm. Which I think is, you know, that is an interesting bit of vampire lore in this world to Mm. me. That it is possible to do that if you want to. You can train yourself to be able to stand it. Which we kind of already knew. I mean, Carlisle's a doctor. He Mm. sees blood all the time. Yeah, and the discussion with him is actually very nice about it and how he's taken years to get to that point mm-hmm. mm, it's good and, and yeah that coupled with because all you're making me think and there's several points in this conversation that are making me think of angel and spike mm-hmm. and, and it's very very similar to some of their characterizations and particularly the edward leaving is very much buffy season three an angel leaving because mm-hmm. as much as he wants to be good he can't do that around buffy because of what she means to him the difference being Angel was up front with Buffy about why he was leaving. And yeah. she agreed. Yeah, exactly. So that I, I think that might be why I never sort of thought she was taking him at his word, that he didn't care for her. And in some ways, I think the, the severity of her missing him um, came from that, that she didn't believe him. Because if she was just sort of made angry by it, it would have seemed too much. Don't know. But yes, it, well, but... I don't think she was angry. She didn't feel like she had the right to be angry because she never believed she was worthy of his love anyway. True. And mm. so, from her perspective, one that's been validated here, mm. and two, she just lost what she believed was the love of her life. And so, when you put those two things together, it just 
it devastated her to the point of incapacitation. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that is very fair because there there is her sequence at the end of oh, you know, she is now buying into what he said about, you know, I'm a nothing human. Mm-hmm. Which really is like, oh, she's even believing him when he puts her down and says how weak and frail and stuff she is by comparison. Yeah. Mm. I do think that if we continue on with this, I think you will enjoy Bella's character development. Okay. I can give you that little glimmer of hope. Yeah, because I think I do. She's not a great protagonist yet. But she's not a bad person. She's she's interesting to watch. And I quite liked her trying to get back with her friends. It annoyed mm-hmm. me the whole bit with the biker and stuff. That was annoying. Um, the ridiculousness of the three of them going to the cinema and so on. But at least it was like, yeah, I could see even more what you were saying in the first one. About how she's kind of quirky and doesn't really do things in the right way. Because you know, her social EQ is not the highest. So that kind of thing. Can we talk for a second about Mike and how utterly ridiculous he is? Yeah. I mean, the second she comes back to the table after clearly experiencing some trauma, he asks her out. Yeah. Like, no time whatsoever. I just wanted to throttle the boy. Like, he's not a bad kid, and I totally get him having a crush on her, but come on. Yeah. Let's be a little more considerate. That that was not good. And I also think the thing where she phoned Anna Kendrick and she's like, oh, hey, it's Bella. No, Bella Swan. Hi, Jessica, it's Bella. Oh, uh, yeah, Bella Swan. Are, are they saying there's lots of Bellas at this school and Anna Kendrick <laughs> has forgotten which Bella has come up on her phone ringing her? No, I think Anna Kendrick <laughs> was being sarcastic. Right. <laughs> and again returning to the conversation for the first one Anna Kendrick forgot she was in Twilight she's in two Twilights she's Twilighter <laughs> she's in okay she's in at least two Twilights how about that yeah well yeah I, I don't know if she's going to appear in any more but like did she really forget when she filmed all these things <laughs> maybe mm. she's filmed a lot of things so you know, maybe you just forget some of the things you do. That's that. Okay. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow didn't know she was in Spider-Man. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow was a thing unto herself, though, to me. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's and not compare Gwyneth Paltrow to Anna Kendrick. No, How exactly. about that? Uh, yeah, let's not. Um, I want to start talking good things. Okay. If that's okay with you. Yeah. Are we done with... Because uh, I, I, I don't want to take it apart. And I don't think it's there to be taken apart. I think knowing there are further films helps. If this was all there was, Golden Compass, I'm looking at you, it would be a little bit annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. Um, I liked the chemistry in the first film between Edward and Bella. I liked the the chemistry between uh, Jacob and Bella. Mm-hmm. I like the playfulness, a teasing about who's older than whom and, and the different ages they are. They work together nicely. I love the transition of them working together. Yeah, the film did transitions and some of the, the you know shots to show time passing and shots to show just general growth of people were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were cute. I liked them. Good. That's part of why you're Team Jacob, isn't it? Well, th- that and the abs. 
that and the abs, yeah. I mean, okay, to be fair, we see Bella having fun with Jacob more than we've ever seen Bella have fun with Edward. Yeah, exactly. With Edward, it's all emotional angst. Mm. But sometimes that's enough. Yeah, and I think there was that thing of of, uh, certainly younger people believing that's what love is. Yeah. Deep in the gut, cannot live without them kind of thing. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought love was until I actually fell in love. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And I think that's the thing of, like, at our age, we now know, like, no, love is having fun. (laughs) And, like, really liking each other. (laughs) No, back then. I mean, God. And I was even still in my early 20s when when I was reading this for the first time. But this still absolutely reinforced my idea that, like, love is this giant grand gesture. You know, it's this end-all, be-all emotional thing. And... That's that's what teenage girls want, and that's the audience for this, you know? And, and so they reinforce it. And mm. so I totally get why Bella and Edward are the the main pair here. Right, yeah. Just in reality, that's not how love works, so, you know. No, so I, I did enjoy the two of them together. Uh, and and it, it did make a nice counterpoint. I was a little bit worried it was going to be, and th- there is still a chance it's going to be, just brooding and not sure you know who to go with because they're both you know so similar and so protective and all of this was very clearly jacob she has fun with oh it's a love triangle what's a girl to do when she's stuck between men it's like she's a barbie with two perfect kins but wait it just occurred to me Maybe I can solve this with geometry. Yes, smarts can help this situation untangle. So professors, teach me the math of love triangles. Yay, time for book facts. But it wasn't. It really wasn't. Not from her perspective. It never was. That's true. She it was say never a question him, for yeah. her. Mm. Um... And and I I like that at the end, you know, when she says, don't make me choose because it will be him. You know, I, I appreciate her being that honest and upfront with Jacob. Yeah. So does the Team Jacob thing just come from the audience wanting more for her and, and the reader? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, I think it might be that, that sort of metatextual of what people had said about it around the time and the t-shirts and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think Stephanie Meyer ever intended Bella and Jacob to be a thing or to be a possible thing, particularly when you get to the end and you see further things that happen. But the world absolutely, you know, was divided on who Bella should end up with, even though Bella clearly stated her case for who she wanted. Mm. The audience was like, no, no, we want Jacob. Okay, interesting. Um, I've gushed about Michael Sheen, who was As awesome, you and I was very pleased to see him in this. Um, let's gush about Face Punch, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I particularly like that the setup for that was him saying, "What was the film you wanted to take her to? Love spelled backwards is love." <laughs> oh God! <laughs> that was the romance film, but the action guy film they come up with was Face Punch. Face Punch. <laughs> face Punch, and the fact that the opening of this film. I don't even think we get to see it, but there's a Wilhelm scream, which is the sound effect of action films. Both of you, put both of your guns down, or I'm going to blow both of your freaking heads off. All right, forget it. Let's do this. 
it just it reinforces how be schlocky movie this film is. Mm-hmm. But I bet I'd enjoy it. <laughs> I want to know what kind of action movie is gory enough that would make a teenage boy throw up. Yeah. He, he was feeling ill beforehand. So he says. <laughs> I think he was just saving face in front of Jacob and Bella. Yeah. I don't know. He's sensitive. <laughs> I mean, he's not sensitive he to her a... feelings, but... Right. I mean, he is a sweet boy. Yeah. For a teenager. What in this film did you like? Are, are there things that stand as a favourite? There were a couple of lines that I really, really liked. Mm. Um, the first one that, that made me laugh was right at the beginning before uh, Edward left. He tells Bella, you can't trust vampires. Trust me. And it just made me laugh. Okay. It's funny. It was ironic. <laughs> right. Yes. Was... Yeah. <laughs> you must have just thought it was silly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I liked it. I like silly, though. Um, I would have liked it better if she had called him on it, but instead they faded out and cut to another scene. Right. Mm. But. Um, and then in one of her voiceovers to Alice when she's doing all of the emails that, that don't actually get to Alice, but she's just trying to still feel that connection. After she finds out about the werewolves, her voiceover is, is it possible that everything is true? Fairy tales and horror stories. Is it possible that there isn't anything sane or normal at all? And I just love that she's questioning those things. Mm. Like she's taking it as okay, these things are real. I know they're real, but what else might be real? I don't know. I just, I liked it. I'm assuming this is not a world that also then has demons and things. We're sticking with vampires and werewolves? I uh, think no so. Comment. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I, I right. don't recall there being other types of beings. Okay. It doesn't mean they don't exist. Right. They just don't come into contact with dark characters maybe mm. i don't know it would be interesting to revisit underworld because that is pure vampires and werewolves with some of the same sort of historical mythology does it have humans yeah okay i mean i saw it once many 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 like i was probably in middle school when i saw it i right. don't know i don't know anything about it except it's uh kate beckinsale mm -hmm. is that who it is yeah yeah that's all i know I got nothing. I, I worked with a guy who had a massive, massive crush on her. Um, well, I mean, that's understandable. <laughs> yeah. And, and that film was almost... A, we, we'll get into this, I think, if we ever do watch it or do it as a you know Patreon thing or something. But that was basically a response to criticisms of the second Matrix film. Mm, mm. Okay. Interesting. I want to say that actually Michael Sheen starts out as human. There is definitely a human who transforms it might not be michael shane <laughs> see don't ask me i think i've only seen it at the cinema so it's been a long time anyway. well it sounds like it might be one that we should do for pcd possibly well yeah, we, we, we've been talking about doing another film as a special twilight companion piece we should do that and underworld that's a pairing <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> And while we're talking about it, like the, the the guy film, girl film thing, the trope of they're watching Romeo and Juliet and all the girls are super into it and all the guys are falling asleep can just go away now. 
<laughs> you know, I don't know, dude. Some shit, some tropes are rooted in reality. I mean, in that situation, all of them should be looking bored. Actually, that's but, true. You know. I would have been bored. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're not wrong there. Where does this rank in the Twilight stories for you? Can you separate them and say which ones are, are better or more favorite for you? I don't know. I think my emotions of reading New Moon for the first time are the emotions that I always remember mm-hmm. whenever I think of the series. And so that's why it has such a special place in my heart. But I don't know that that necessarily makes it my favorite. Okay. Of the movies, I think the last one is the best. Right. Um, I think some of the, the story, where the story goes in the last book is kind of bonkers. But... I still really enjoyed it, and I really enjoy Bella's character development, but it's hard for me to just, like, pick one out because, I mean, like you say, this this isn't four individual stories. It's one big story. Yeah. I, uh, and perhaps that's just my misconception going in. Perhaps if I'd known that going in, I would have been... Mm more prepared for what was coming i mean i mean do i need to know anything about the next one is the next one the same sort of thing well no i think because i think this was intended to be a trilogy i said that already so eclipse does bring a resolution okay and then breaking dawn is different got it um but it's still a continuation okay because they were making money so why not exactly (laughs) you know that's why we have fantastic beast films <laughs> You're not wrong about that either. Um we had a terrific tweet from our friend uh Caitlin on Twitter at Inferior Caitlin who pointed out there were lots of ridiculous filming locations in this, but she needs the world to know that the movie theater they go to is definitely a strip club, which is not that far from where she lives. Mm. Presumably downtown Vancouver. Um and it's just <laughs> down the street from where at generosity gets her hair done. Nice. So, okay. Nice bit of local mm. lore there, I guess. I kind of want to look up where it is now because I've been to Vancouver. I wonder if I've been Maybe past that or been something. Maybe you've been by. Yeah. We, we walked all over, mostly looking for ice cream one night. Um, <laughs> we found it right around the corner from the hotel, but we'd walked the wrong way. Um, oh, no. And we are talking about going back to Vancouver before the Arrowverse finishes and doing like an Arrowverse tour. <laughs> Oh, that would be nice. Right? Anyway, thank you, Caitlin. Yes, do come at us with any future cast, uh, future like locations. Get us photos of locations if you can. That would be amazing. Jen, you need to go and get your hair done. <laughs> <laughs> Not and because it doesn't look good, just because then you'll be close to the filming location. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, and you need to go and take photos outside a strip club. For podcasts. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> what better reason could there be? I shouldn't <laughs> ask people Matthew to do things. Said like, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about the Twilight Saga New Moon? I, I don't think so. I think I would shout out to yourself and anyone who might say, actually, Matthew, before you watch the next one, you know, consider that it, there are two more films after that or something. If I if I need to be in the right headspace for it, do warn me. Okay. 
yeah, you've made me wonder, would I have appreciated this differently if I'd known? No, because I'm still know. annoyed. Like, I, I did a poll yeah. on Twitter about this very thing saying, what do we think? Should movies that are part of a franchise, movies that are part of a series, should they be allowed to just further the plot or do they have to have their own narrative? And 80% of people who voted said they must work on their own. Each film, each story, each book, whatever it is, should stand alone as well as be part of a larger whole. Okay. I'd love to know about the 20% what, you know, examples they might have where it's done well or badly. So let me ask you a question then. Mm, How do you feel about things like Deathly Hallows where they split the movie, the book into two movies? Because neither one of those can stand alone. No, that's fine because... Can you hear that? Yes. I wonder what that was. It's gone now. Yeah, something just went overhead. Um, Because they're saying part one, part two. Like, they're already telling you. If they were saying, this film, this film is a standalone film. This is not going to have any consequence on what happens (laughs) in Avengers Endgame that doesn't yet have a title. And it stands alone. I'm going to be just as annoyed. Okay. (laughs) You knew what I was going for then. I did. I was already thinking about Infinity War. I was like, yep, that's coming up. Yeah. Um... No, because there there is nothing in this to indicate that you need to have extra textual knowledge to either okay. come into it. And I think they do a fairly good job. I think they could have reminded me some of the characters' um, names, because the Cullen family, I'd completely forgotten half of them. <laughs> he referred to one of them at some point. I'm like, I don't know which one that is. <laughs> um, That's okay. But I think Alice and Edward are the most important. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. Um but the fact that you're not going to come out of this feeling, for me, that you had a resolution, that you had a conclusion. The place that they start off in is pretty much the place they finish in. Okay. So. Okay. That's it, absolutely fair. Except I he asked you... her to marry him. <gasps> <laughs> Did you forget about that until just now? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that you will be slightly more pleased with uh eclipse okay i think i my words may come back to bite me in the ass but i think okay that'd be interesting to see i think we are continuing aren't we i think we have to i'm I'm interested to to get through like i said i'm very excited for those last ones because you've picked them up for me (laughs) cool 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 i like them what can i say (laughs) and at the very least you like talking to me about things that i like so It's not entirely excruciating for you. And, and you know, I know I said it in the middle, but you have been very good at talking about this. So thank you very much. You're welcome. That's good. So if you want to join in the conversation, if you want to let me know what's coming, if you want to warn me about things, if you want to tell me about filming locations for the Twilight franchise in strip clubs, you can use the hashtag <laughs> PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. You can email us using podcast at eloquentgushing.com or leave a voicemail or voice message on speakpipe.com slash eloquentgushing. And we are 100% funded by listeners just like you through our Patreon page. So any amount you can give, even just $1 a month, will give you access to exclusive content while also helping to support our network and develop new shows. To find out more, please visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. We'll be back next week with another episode where we're going to kick off Keanu Reeves month with Point Break. Yeah. Films. Lots of films. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. 
And it would be nice not to want to kill you all the time. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.